The Lord calls us to worship this morning from the book of Psalms, chapter 97. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad. Clouds and darkness surround Him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of His throne. A fire goes before Him and burns up His enemies round about. His lightnings light the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare His righteousness and all the peoples see His glory. Light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holy name. Amen. gathered together today as your church to worship you, as your people to love one another and to behold the beauty of our Savior in the gospel. And Lord, we pray now thinking about being in your presence. We are most unworthy. And as we think about the history of your love for your people, Lord, we pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us as you did even when the temple was filled with the glory of the Lord. We pray that you would fill this house today with your spirit, fill us with your spirit, that we would desire to worship you in a way that is pleasing in your sight. And as we see and hear and believe the gospel, Lord, we pray that you would fill us with faith, that we would trust and believe that you are the same God yesterday, today and forever. And Lord, we join our hearts together now praying together the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, saying out loud, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. This morning for our confession of faith, we're going to recite together the Apostles' Creed. It's in the green hymnal on page 845 if you would like to look there. I'm going to begin by asking you, since this is a statement of our faith, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. And the third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From 
Yes, he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hear now these words of assurance from the book of Psalms, chapter 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. Amen. As we continue to worship, turn in your hymnal to number 457. And we'll sing together, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. time for the children's sermon. Good morning, boys and girls. Good morning. It's good to see you. last phrase in the Apostles' Creed. We've gone through almost every phrase in it, and today we're at the phrase that says, we believe in the resurrection of the body. And I want to begin by asking you, what are we celebrating today and every day that we come to church on Sunday morning? What are we celebrating in this service? That God um, rose again. That Jesus rose again. This is Resurrection Sunday. Every Sunday, we celebrate that Jesus rose victoriously over the grave, that he defeated death, that he defeated sin, that he defeated Satan. When we say that we believe in the resurrection of the body, we believe that just like Jesus was able to defeat death, he has given that to us as a gift. And we believe that even those who have died now, our loved ones, who were no longer with us in this world, we believe that they will be united with us in heaven so that nothing will separate us, nothing from separating us from God, from His love, 
or from those who belong to Him. And that is our hope, that these bodies that we have, and though yours, you may look at yourself and say, well, my skin's really nice and my hair's really smooth. As you get older, your body tells you that you are getting older. And you know distinctly, this is not the way this is supposed to work. And you may not see that now, you may not know it, but if you've ever broken a bone or if you've hurt something, and you just feel it and you ache, and every time you move, it's just a reminder. My body's not working the way that it's supposed to. And as you think about that, maybe as you have something that you've heard or something that doesn't work the way that it should or it takes a little bit longer, may it be a reminder to you. Jesus promised one day I would have a body like His. And I won't have pain. I won't have difficulty. And those that you think about that are not with you today, maybe a family member. And that's for all of us. Family members who are not here worshiping with us, who belong to the Lord. We know and hope in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and believe by faith that one day we will see them again and we will be like our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the the truth of your word that we may rest our hope in it and it is the hope of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection that we cling to today on this Resurrection Sunday. Lord, I pray that we would not have fearful thoughts about death and I pray for our little ones As mysterious and scary as death might seem, Jesus went into that darkness for us, that we would never have to taste it. And Lord, I pray that as we think about it, that we would, though we may have grief, that we would look in hope to you by faith. Lord, I thank you for these children here this morning, the boys and girls that you have blessed our church family with. And I pray, Lord, that we would be faithful in our covenant duties to them, to raise them to know you in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. This morning for our responsive reading, turn in your hymnal to page 819. We're going to be reading out loud together Psalm 96. page 819. I'll begin with the light portion. Please respond out loud together with the bold. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous deeds among all peoples. All the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord, for He comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in Let's stand together and sing hymn number 466. I sought the Lord and afterward I knew.
I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Psalms, chapter 23. We're continuing our study in Psalm 23 this morning, and we're going to be looking specifically at the first part of verse 3, but I'm going to read this morning verses 1 through 3. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God abides forever. The sermon this morning is entitled, He Restores My Soul. As we're looking at Psalm 23, looking at it verse by verse, one of the themes that we look at this morning that sticks out in this psalm is the word sheep. This word is used in our society today in a derogatory way. Sheep are people who are so ignorant that they are easily duped. They're unsavvy. They follow any voice or any call that calls out to them. And yet in the Bible, God esteems the sheep as His people. He has compassion for them. He calls out to them and calls them to Himself, even going and calling to those who are the wayward sheep, those who have wandered from the fold and He desires to call back. In verse 3, David's heart is full in Psalm 23. He is expressing his faith and he rejoices in the riches of God, God's love, His power to save His people, and His comforting, abiding presence with them. As we pray today, pray that God would send His Spirit to us, that we would see God's vast wealth in the Gospel and desire to know the truth of His Word and the truth about ourselves and what the Bible teaches us about our own hearts and to be led by Him with glad hearts, rejoicing that we know our Savior. You could summarize the Bible if you were to maybe put it in Just a phrase or two, you could say that the Bible is the story of God's relentless pursuit of His people, saving them by grace and recalling even the straying to Himself, those who have wandered from the fold and have gone somewhere else who do not know the shepherd's voice or haven't heard it for some time. In Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 6, God says these words, My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. And for those of us who know the presence of the Lord Jesus and have been filled with His Spirit, to walk away from the Lord, to step away from Him, is a fearful thing. But it's also something that we have to acknowledge and admit, especially on this Sunday morning, that it is something that at times our frail hearts do. We may go through the motions, but our heart is not in it. We may even be here this morning, and is your heart engaged in worship, dear believer? As we talked about celebrating the resurrection today, is that your hope? Is your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He says about you? What He says about this world and what He says about Himself. So this morning I want to talk about Psalm 23, verse 3, that first part of the verse that says, He restores my soul. And that's the title of the sermon. And only two headings. The first is a question Are you satisfied or prone to wander? Number one. And number two, a twofold promise that I believe we see in this verse in the psalm. So number one, are you satisfied or prone to wander? Last week I attempted to make the case that David said, I shall not want in verse 2, because he was so satisfied in God's provision of all that he needed. That Jesus in the Gospels is the fulfillment of all the promises that God made throughout all of the Scriptures to satisfy His people. He is the Good Shepherd that the choir just sang about who would call and care for the sheep, God's people. Not dumb animals, not fuzzy, funny animals, 
but His people. In John chapter 10, verses 2-4, through He said, I am the Good Shepherd, and I call my own, and they know Me, because I take care of them. I do not abandon them like the hireling would do, like someone who was hired on to work and take care of them, but truly had no concern or innate care in them for the sheep. He says, I am the Good Shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is also the fulfillment of the bread that He promised. Throughout all of the Old Testament, you see God's people. What is one of the things that they grumble about the most? It's having food. Right after they were delivered from the land of Egypt, what do they complain about first? Among many things, they complain about food. It would have been better to have stayed in Egypt and to have eaten what they provided. It was consistent. We knew what it was. We enjoyed it. Really? You liked being slaves and treated horribly. But Jesus said in John 6.35, He who comes to me will never hunger. That's the type of satisfaction that Jesus came to be the fulfillment of. And then in John chapter 4, He came also saying that He was the living water. In John 4.13-14, He says, Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. And as we thought about those words last week, and as I thought about them this, this past week, I thought, this has to be troubling for many of God's people. It is for me. Not that we doubt Jesus' words, or that we look at the Bible and look at our lives and say, well, I doubt my salvation. I doubt I belong to Him. We would say, I believe in Jesus, that He is the Savior of sinners, that He is my Savior. He purchased me with His blood. But why does it seem my heart is so easily satisfied with the lesser glories of this world? Why am I so quickly drawn away from Him to other things? I run back to old sin patterns with little thought of it. And here I am again on another Sunday feeling guilty and hungry and thirsty. In Psalm 63 verse 1 it says, O God... You are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. As in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I want to ask you this morning in this point. Are you satisfied in Jesus or are you prone to wander? And I think the the glory of living on this side of heaven is that you probably should answer both. Both. I am satisfied in Jesus. I know that everything that He provides for me is good. He is my faithful good shepherd who is leading me. He did promise to me to be the bread of life and living water. But I do wander. My heart wanders from the one that I love. I want to say two things about this. And then I want to look at the rest of verse 14 in in John chapter 4. The first thing is, if you would say, well, pastor, I'm prone to wander. And particularly, I have been for some time. I want to tell you and encourage you, look up, dear believer. Not love yourself or feel better about yourself, but look up. Don't take lightly that God brought you here today. It's not a mistake. He makes no mistakes, even with where you spend your time, where you live. It's not a mistake. And don't turn inward to find the answer. Why is my heart wandering? Look to His Word. Last week we said, where does God speak? How do we know His voice? How do the sheep know the voice of the Good Shepherd? We know it in His Word in the Gospels, where He speaks to us. In John chapter 4, if you have your Bible, turn there just briefly for a moment. As you read your Bible, perhaps this is something that you you struggle with. You hear words like what Jesus said to this woman in John chapter 4, looking at verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, He's talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. He says in verse 13, Whoever drinks of this water that you're coming to get at this well will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And maybe you say, well, pastor, 
What is it about this water? Because I'd like to know. Because my heart is thirsty. My soul is thirsty. I have so many wants, so many desires for things. And I have so many desires for fulfillments in my soul that I do not see quenched. Help me understand what it is that Jesus is saying here. Because He's promising to us that if we take His water, that we will never thirst again. He's saying, when you drink my water, it doesn't destroy the thirst in your soul. For then what need would you have of water after that? When you drink my water, it makes a spring in you. A spring satisfies thirst, not by removing the need for water, but by being there to drink from whenever you get thirsty. Again and again and again. In Psalm 23, David says, The Lord is my shepherd, I will not want. But you and I, if we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest, as we look in the mirror, we say, Lord, I have wants today and yesterday, and I know I will tomorrow. I know a hundred people who count you as their shepherd, and they have wants. Help me to understand what your word means. What does it mean we shall not want? But the lesson is this, and I want to encourage you, dear ones, with the cries in your soul, not to turn inward on yourself and just say, well, I cannot find the answer. Scriptures are too hard to understand. Look to the Lord. He will answer. When He says He makes me to lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. R-E stores. He restores. That means a want arises in your heart. And because that spring is in you by God's Spirit, He says, I will satisfy that want and that desire. It rises and He satisfies. It rises again and He re-satisfies. Life is a rhythm of need and nourishment from your Savior. Are you satisfied in Jesus today? Or are you prone to wander? Secondly, there's a twofold promise in this verse. In this phrase, He restores my soul. It can be translated a couple different ways, and I wanted to share these with you because I think they're helpful as we think about these twofold promises that Jesus has made to us as our Good Shepherd. You can translate, He restores my soul as He brings me back, or He causes me to repent. In Psalm 119, in the last verse of that psalm, verse 176, it says, The psalmist is writing. He's making a confession. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. I did it. I'm not blaming anyone else or anything else. Not the circumstances of my life or other influences. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. I want to share a quote with you from Charles Spurgeon. Speaking about sheep and the nature of them, God's people. After we have been rescued by God, we may wander away. Spurgeon wrote that the Lord's sheep sometimes stray from the pastures of truth and holiness. They may fall into gross error, sad sin, and grievous hardness. But yet the Lord, who has become a surety for them to His Father, will not suffer one of them to go so far as to perish. He will by providence and grace pursue them into foreign lands, into abodes of poverty, into dens of obscurity, into the depths of despair. He will not lose one of all that the Father has given him. There is a twofold promise here in what David is saying. He brings me back. I'm prone to wander. And he doesn't say, but I find my way home. He says, he brings me back. He restores my soul. And I want to say two things about this promise. The first is that His grip on you is not loosened by your wayward heart, dear believer. He draws us back even when we stray away from Him. I want to read some words from the book of John chapter 10. You don't have to turn there, you can. John chapter 10, verses 27 to 30. The Gospel of John. His grip on you is not loosened by your wayward heart, dear believer. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. 
and I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. His grip is not loosened on you because you have a wayward heart. But the enemy would love for you to believe a whole set of lies about this. When you feel your heart pulling away, when you hear the words of life in the gospel and they don't touch your heart, the enemy would love for you to just get stuck in the quagmire of doubts. Well, you never really were his. What Christian acts like this? He's not going to listen to that prayer again. Just be done with Jesus already, okay? And the church and throw them off. Get rid of the guilt that comes along with being a Christian. The enemy would love for you to believe those things. But what is the truth? And your answer to that is significantly important today. What is the truth about this? The enemy would love for you to believe lies. Where are you going to find the truth? We believe as Reformed Presbyterians that we were called by God, that He called us to Himself, that our salvation is not fixed because of our great belief or even looking inwardly at our faith. We believe we are held in His grip because He is the one who holds us. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, By grace you were saved. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul wrote these words, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, that work of salvation, to call you to himself, to tell you, you are mine, you belong in my family, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do not look to ourselves to see the end of our salvation. We look to a day when our Savior will call us home and we will be with him. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, it says that your faith is guarded by God. Guarded by God. Who could wrench you out of the Father's hand? No one. Because Jesus, Jesus purchased that for you. Commenting on Philippians 1, verse 6, that says, He who began that good work in you will bring it to completion. Plumer writes, Unmerited grace will finish what it began. Unmerited grace will finish what it began. What Jesus did in your heart when you first believed the gospel. When the scales of your eyes started to fall. When the coldness of your rocky heart began to break up. He who began that work will bring it to completion. And he will call you home. The second of these twofold promises. He will bring me to repentance. He will call me back to himself even though I may wander. Even though I may think about this world and life and my own faith in a backwards way that's disordered. The second promise is, not only will He bring me back, but He will also revive and renew your weary heart and your thirsty soul. This is a promise to those whom God calls back to the fold. Those who have wandered away, but it's also a promise to others in our body here today. It's a promise to faithful, steady saints who are simply worn out by the trials and tribulations of this life. Who need to hear the calming voice of Jesus, their Savior, in the midst of the storms of life that are crashing upon your heart day after day after day. Disappointment after disappointment and fear after fear. You need to hear the words of your Savior who you think might be asleep at the bottom of the boat. There is hope. He hasn't forgotten you. He is the one who is steadying the boat in the midst of the storm. To the straying, repenting soul, Jesus has forgiven you in Christ. He has given you a new heart and new life. And what does the Bible say when He wakes us up to our sin? What is our response? We're to look to Him. You're to confess and to weep over your sin. But you are also to lay it down at the foot of the cross and believe that He is for you. That's what the Bible says. And to the battle-weary believer, 
He does hear your cries and He will answer. He promises refreshment and He will revive us when we are weary, troubled with anxieties and we are worn down with the cares of this life and the work that God has given us. In Isaiah 43 verse 19, there's a promise that God makes. In Isaiah 43, 19, He's telling the people, you may see dryness and desolation. You may see difficulty and no place at all possible to grow anything. But He says, I can do a work and I will do a work. I will make streams of water flow in the desert. That phrase is used for a beautiful devotional, a daily devotional, streams in the desert. You say, Lord, I need that. I want those streams. Would you cause them to flow over my heart? Give me faith. Help me to believe. I do believe. As the man cried out in Mark, help my unbelief. Help me today where I am. He promises he he will do that. Some of you might say, but how can I be sure that he won't forsake me? How do I know? You shared a lot of things today, preacher, but how do I know that my good Savior will not forsake me? How do I know that this weariness that I carry with me now is not something I will walk into eternity with? That the brokenness I see and, and sense in my family, how can you be sure that I won't carry that into eternity? How will I know that it relents? And I want you to turn, if you still have your Bible open, to Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is the answer to that question. How do I know that He won't forsake me? Psalm 22 is a psalm of David, but it's also something that is seen in greater fulfillment in the Lord Jesus. It begins, Psalm 22 verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and I am not silent. These words of David, this is desperation beyond belief. Lord, I am alone. I feel alone. Everyone else has left me. Why have you forsaken me? Of all people, why have you forsaken me? Do you feel forsaken by God, dear believer? The truth of the Gospel is that Jesus understands that. He understands more than you know. We can feel forsaken by God for a time, but Jesus was forsaken. These words that David penned in Psalm 22 were the same words that Jesus cried out on the cross in Matthew 27, 46. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The one to whom I run to. We feel lonely sometimes. But Jesus was alone for a horrible moment on the cross. He was truly alone. His Father turned His back on Him. And as our great sacrificial Lamb, as John said in the Gospel of John, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I think this is one of the reasons why our Heavenly Father loves this image of a sheep. Because He would hold up Jesus as the Lamb. For His people, the perfect sacrifice. It's why John said, Behold, it's a, it's a word to get your attention. It's to wake you up if maybe you were looking down at music, the sheet music. He's saying, Look up. Behold. See the Lamb. Don't look at life only. Look at the Lamb. He atoned for every sin that we all commit in our weak, faithless stumbling. And He removed. He removed the curse for us forever. Out of the love for us that we hardly even begin to fathom, He took upon Himself the curse that we deserved, becoming the propitiation for our sins. He paid the price you couldn't pay. And He gave you something you could never earn for yourself. And He did this for us so that our curse would be eternally removed And we might become the objects of God's mercy, clothed forever with righteousness and holiness. Jesus did this 
for you. How can you know that God will not forsake you because He did forsake Jesus? That's how you know. That's how you know because what we know about the story of Jesus is that it did not end on the cross in that lonely cry. It ended with an empty tomb. And it ended with Resurrection Sunday. With the Lord Jesus victorious over His and all of our enemies. And you say, well, how do I know that He will bring me eternally into His kingdom? You know because He said He would. He said, I am going now to prepare a place for you. And if I go again, I will come, if I go, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. This world is not your home, dear believer. You are just a traveler passing through. And one day, one glorious day, he will call you home and you will be with him forever. That's why Paul said, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not even death. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the blessed hope that we have in the gospel. We thank you for it, even though there are days when we don't believe that it is. It is truly glorious. There are days that we believe in ourselves or the gifts that you've given us or the the money that we have or the home that we have or the good name. But Lord, we hope and trust in you. Help us as we as we sang this morning to believe the truth that you are the good shepherd who is leading us. And we cry out to you that you would. That you would satisfy our souls with you. And may we be restored day after day. Lord, I pray that for your people here at Lebanon, that as thirsts and hungers rise, that they would remember that Jesus promised that a spring of water would bubble up inside of them. And as thirst arises, that you would be there to satisfy us again and again and again. And I pray, Lord, that we would rejoice in that because it is a gift from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together, turn in your hymnal to number 175 and sing together, A Wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord.
as we take an offering to the glory of God. rejoice and give thanks to you for the ways that you have blessed each of us. And we dedicate now these tithes and our offerings to you that we would say to our hearts and to our wallets, to our bank accounts, it is the Lord who satisfies the desires of my heart. I pray, Lord, that as we dedicate these tithes and offerings to you, that you would use them for the sake of the spread of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that lost souls who do not know you would be brought out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of your glorious light because of our obedience in the gospel. And Lord, we do pray that you would use these monies to spread the fame of the Lord Jesus around this world. And we look to the day, Lord, when you will come and take us home. In Jesus' name, amen. Lift up your heads and receive the benediction of our Lord from the book of Numbers, chapter 6. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you 
and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Amen.